Pride fam. Welcome back to another special episode of our Pride Series Week. Yes. We have a very extra special guest uh, lined up for you today. Uh, But before we get to that, I just want to check in with everybody. How's everybody doing? Locked up. They won't let me out. No. They won't let me out. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we're in phase two, so. Yeah, like, we can go out and, like. I'm ready to get my nails done. I'm ready to go get get brunch. Oh. Wow, hey. you are very specific with it. You're like, well, brunch. is brunch gonna be the same thing? Because they're no. gonna be like brunch tanks that are just like, oh, like brunch pods. No, brunch pods, yeah, he's right. Okay, so did everyone see 46th Street? Um, is completely shut down, they're not opening back up on Restaurant Row. No, that's what, yeah, yeah. I showed you. Yeah, they're compl- Adam, uh, Adam was showing me yesterday, and it is completely shut down. And that's how like bars like the Ritz and Old Bourbon Street, which is a new name now. And, um, oh, Bob, really? So we're going to be able to drink. Yeah, Bourbon Street's closed down. Like, I remember Bourbon Street closed down, but they opened back up? They opened back up under a new name, and it's no longer Cajun food. It's like a, Sp- a, Me- a Spanish restaurant. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but with a Cajun mm-hmm. flair to the Spanish restaurant. But speaking mm-hmm. of Spanish food, um, luckily, our neighborhood little, we had a Boston market that shut down, but now we have a Chipotle opening up. Yes, Chipotle. I'm so excited. That's really dangerous, actually. Chipotle is my life. Chipotle's life. It's, it's, too, it's too close. But so what I'm, what I'm interested to see, talking about like the 46th Street, is like Bottoms Up and all those places are opening and they've created these little boxes where now the bar and socializing is in the street. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious at how that's going to go down. Mm, is it going to be like a St. Mark's place? Yeah, but like... It's like no one drives down there. It's just like... Yeah, but you're still con- you're still interacting with people. So, mm-hmm. and we saw a picture a couple of weeks ago. We talked about it here on the podcast of the Hell's Kitchen, like crowded with people with no Popping. mask on, like just shorts, muscle cutoffs, and poppers. So I'm curious at... Uh, yeah, there were poppers. So I'm curious <laughs> at... Huh? Jalapeno? That sounds good too. We'll jalapeno go poppers sound good. We'll but. go with that, but I'm, I'm more talking of the rush variety. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm never fake it. <laughs> Why are we? This rush- episode is brought to you by Rush Poppers. No. <laughs> I mean, it could be. Bitch, it might be. I got two cows to sit in my room. Um, but yeah, I don't use them because we're in quarantine. Um, <laughs> That's fine because it's Pride Week. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You know what? It is Pride Week. We it should is. respect poppers. We should. Look them up. The owner of poppers threw the first brick at Stonewall. <laughs> they did. Wait, wait, no. wait. No. Don't scare Marsha P. <laughs> that smells suspicious. <laughs> okay. I hate all of you. Stop. Wait. Wait. Our special guest, the owner of Rice Poppers. <laughs> right, right. He's coming on up now. But um, here we are talking about like all the food that we want to eat and all this and that. And our next guest was a contestant on Survivor, and he had no food on that island. Sure didn't. <laughs> didn't. He had. Well, I think he said he may have had like rice and water. I think that. Well, I'm a huge Survivor fan, as everybody knows. That's right. You you binge watched. Given a ration of rice, and they're given a water. Well, and that's it. There, and might, that's it. there might be some chickens that come in a challenge. Not chicken. Mm-hmm. That, <laughs> that you could win. Um, and then sometimes there's like special challenges where you can win like 
a chocolate bar or like a margarita bar. Yes. But I love what you're, I, I really do, Braden, I must say. I love what you, the order you went in. So the importance to you is chocolate and margarita. There's nothing in between. <laughs> is there? <laughs> right. He's like, that's what I want. Well, let's find out what Zeke Smith. Okay, that's ended our guess. Find or uh, winning. If you want anything, we'll see. Uh, so stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Hi. Today we have a very special guest in the podcast room with us today. We have Zeke Smith. Hello. How's it going? It is going well. Um, I have had a long day of frantically trying to rewrite a script I'm working on uh, uh, before it's due at the end of the month. So oh. I am full of caffeine and ready to go. Wait, <laughs> can you tell us we anything about this script? Um, I, I can say that it's uh, something I'm co-writing with my friend Chris Burns, who you can check out his uh, Instagram handle, at Fat Terry Bradshaw. Um, he has a bit of a following. I love nice. that. I love that name. <laughs> yes. I love that. Um, love and that the script, the deadline for the script is applying for um, these like network uh, writing fellowships, which we're trying to get in oh. as like co-writing pairs is like diversity writing fellowship. Okay. That's awesome. amazing. Well, if you guys happen to be casting, um, <laughs> you know. I'm available again. <laughs> we, are, we are available for work. We are always available for work. Yeah. yeah. Which, and that's how I know Zeke. I actually worked on a project with you. Oh, what project? Um, it was a uh, Disney Bears spoof <laughs> about yes. bears in New York. Did you play Cinder Bear? <laughs> Yeah. Like Cinder Bear. Is it Disney? Disney, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, like Cinderella. Cinderella. Yeah. Like, oh. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> you mean like gay bears, like gay twins, yeah, gay, gay bears. bears. Got, yeah. it. Got it. That's funny. Yes. I watched, Adam showed me the, be- I'd seen it before when it came out, but you re-showed it to me and I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. This is so it silly. It's fun. <laughs> Oh, it's so silly. I mean, I my background is in uh, comedy. I met Adam through a mutual friend, Ryan, who I was doing mm-hmm. improv yes. with. And I didn't go to film school or do anything creative in college or in high school or anything like that. So I just fell into improv and then was like, oh, the cool thing is to make these like digital comedy videos. And no background in anything, but I was like, I'm just like a very like go-getter type of guy. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And <laughs> so many terrible little comedy videos with my friends. Um, I love it. We had so much fun doing them. Yeah, it was a good time. We just hung out on the rooftop, drank yeah. a little, smoked a little. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, a beautiful, beautiful sun deck in Brooklyn. I loved it. Remember those days. Right, remember mm. the outside. I know. Yeah. Wait, so where are you right now? I assume you're quarantining like the rest of the freaking world. So yes. Where um, well, I, I live in Los Angeles. I moved to LA about three years ago. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so I live with my boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yes, my friends. Who's your boyfriend? Our, our listeners might know him. Yes, so my boyfriend is an actor. His name is Nico Santos. Um, okay. And you might know him from, he's Mateo in Superstore. And he yes. was Oliver in Crazy Rich Agents. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. How did y'all meet? We met at the GLAAD Awards. Yeah. Oh, what a meet you know, That's so sweet. Being like you know like queer media people um <laughs> and no it was great so my plus one who was actually another improv friend of mine from new york who now lives here um knew his plus one and i'd actually been flirting with nico's plus one like uh <laughs> earlier in the night 
I love that. You know? And so I think everyone was like, oh, let's get back together. And then uh, with the four of us got together on the dance floor and then Nico was just like very aggressive being like, let's dance, let's get you a drink. Let's, you know, hey, NBC sent me a limo. And if you want to, you know, get me to give you a ride home. And he was very, very smooth. And I was like, okay. all right, I'm into it. Daddy friend. I'm with it. I'm going to let that happen. I'm going to let that happen. That sounds lovely. You give me a limo, we are whipping. <laughs> Love that. So, starting off, um, what sparked your interest in Survivor? Like, what made you want to be on the show and just kick ass at it. Sure. So uh, uh, almost like exactly a decade ago, I was recovering from chest surgery. And I, um, through the recommendation of my brother, I was like looking for stuff to binge watch because much like we're in quarantine now, you're sort of in quarantine mm -hmm. when you're recovering from chest surgery. You just like basically sit in your room and watch TV. Um, and I know a lot of people are binging Survivor right now. And I'm like, oh, these are circumstances under which I did it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I just started watching. I immediately fell in love with it. Like uh, a lot of people do. A lot of the Survivor fans are very obsessive. It's just sort of the nature of it. And yeah, as I was recovering from chest surgery, I watched like nearly 20 seasons of Survivor. And uh, this was a time where like, you know, a, you know, a decade ago, people were not as cool with trans people as they are now. It was a very foreign idea. Yeah. I was sort of like cloistered away by my parents. They didn't want anyone to know. Um, mm -hmm. And I was really lonely. And Survivor kind of became my my friend and my little like, you know, daydream and what have you. And um, then, uh, so it was always in the back of my mind. And then it just sort of like, I was like 27 or 28. And I was like, I hey, man, I don't think I'm like gonna become like a comedy actor, and I need to do something in my life. I'm stuck in a rut. Like, what mm -hmm. would I do if I could do anything in the world? And it was like, I would go on Survivor, and I sent in a video. They called me two and a half hours later, and the rest. Wow. Of it. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. That is so amazing. Well, I'm a huge Survivor fan. I literally have seen every episode. Awesome. I, I remember your coming out. Um, and you were on two seasons. The first season was Millennials um, versus Gen X. Yeah, Gen X versus mm -hmm. Millennials, and then Game Changers right. after that. And I just couldn't get enough of it. I'm, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wild ride for me because you know I went out there and did season 33, and you know I I I didn't I, I've never won Survivor, not to like spoil for anybody. Uh, <laughs> but, Spoiler alert! Like, you don't have to worry about it. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I did pretty well my first season. I got voted out. And then immediately after I got voted out, Jeff was like, like, you know, tapped me on the shoulder and was like, hey, you want to come back in two weeks and do it all over again for an all time? And I was like, fuck you, bitch. Give me a margarita and a cheeseburger. Before oh, right. Two weeks? <laughs> yeah, but I did. I, you know, I had the time until, you know, I was on the jury of the season. So I had a couple of days right. left in Fiji. They sent me home to Brooklyn for two weeks. And then I got right back on a plane and did it all over again. So. That's wow. Uh, Why yeah. do you think Jeff asked you to come back for All Stars? Not that you're not an all-star. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just um, Well, they had saved the spot for one boy and one girl from my season to go on to Game Changers. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just got lucky to be the guy that they picked. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. I think it, because they, I think I just, I fit the slot. They needed someone nerdy. They needed someone younger. Um, yeah. Cool. Okay. 
can I ask you what you thought of the current season of Survivor? I literally just finished it, I think like two or three days ago, but I know the finale was like last week or whatever. Um, um, nope. Uh, yeah, the finale was Wednesday. So you're not, you're not. All okay. Yeah, so yeah. What, did, what did you think? Give me, give me all your hot dogs. <laughs> uh, well, I have, uh, so I'm not super close to many Survivor people uh, these days. So I'm not tight with anyone who was on the show. Um, mm-hmm. and so I don't have any like inside info, but my thoughts just as a viewer, I guess I had two thoughts. And one was, I really liked the show. It was an enjoyable season of Survivor to watch. Um, I am a big fan of both Tony and Sarah. Mm-hmm. Very, very happy, uh, for Tony to win. I've been a big Tony fan for a long time. You know, I yeah. played with Sarah. I voted for yeah. Sarah to, to, to win. I was part of her winning, uh, Game Changers and, um, you know, I, I couldn't have been, it seemed like it was coming down between the two of them and I couldn't have been happier, uh, that, that, that it's sort of the epic ending that it had. Um, on the, on the other hand, I, I really think the edge of extinction is inhumane. Like right. Survivor is borderline inhumane itself, yes. but the edge of extinction really seems like an unnecessary amount of emotional torture yeah. and like. I see a lot of people come home and like Aubrey and Dave are friends of mine and they were on the previous edge of extinction season and they came home and their mental health was, was, was very, very poor. And they were not given any amount of institutional support from the show. And I think that, that I think everyone should get like a year of free therapy from the show afterwards. For sure. Seriously. Sure. Um, well, but if we can I even think... protect our veterans, how are we going to protect <laughs> the survivor right. contestants? Exactly. Anyway, I'd like to. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Joy Behar. Right. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, sure. Where does, like, like, how does the restroom situation work? Like, oh. like, like do they? They follow you to, I mean, we don't see it, right. I guess, on the no, show. No, no, no. So the general rule is, so there's there's two things. If it's like, number one, you just sort of like go into the woods. Yeah. And, sure. Uh, right. And the, generally, if you're going off by yourself, um, like sometimes we'll be like, hey, you're looking for an idol. And you're like, no, I'm just going to go take the leak. Like, it's fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you learn to like be like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go do something, and the camera people will follow you. Um, so yeah, that's not a big deal. And then mm. for uh, going going dookie, um, <laughs> there is there is a designated area of the beach um, that like we all decide, all right, okay, this is gonna be like the poopy area. Right. Oh, okay. so you guys decide. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. And they want you to like go out in the ocean to poop. It's called aqua dumping. Oh, okay. oh. I could never, I could never get down with that. I just oh. like, I, I couldn't do it. Talk about climate crisis. Uh, oh. It's like floating around you. That's how it is. So I would always just like sort of, you know, dig a hole. Sure. Yeah. I love that. I was just wondering about that because I was like, hmm. I mean, I guess it would be like any camping trip, I guess, you know, you just find not it. my camping trip. Uh, <laughs> no, I have to be in a cabin. She'd right. be glamping. But it's kind of 
spinning off of what Adam just asked you, um, would you consider, how produced would you consider a reality show like that? Would you consider the producers giving you guys things to say and do? Like, how does that really work? Because I, I hear in other aspects of reality TV, the producers are kind of have a heavy hand in it, or do they kind of let you guys just be yourself authentically? Like, do you fully pick your alliances, or are the producers like, this is a good Whispering. alliance yeah. for you to form? <laughs> how does that work? Um, you know, Survivor, I would say, is probably on, like, the most integral end of, of reality television. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but the, the tricky thing about, like, Survivor in particular, and it's something that you really reflect on afterwards, is that all the producers speak to everyone individually. Like, you never see the producers talking to people as a group. Mm -hmm. So you'll develop these great relationships with the producers, and you think that they're your friends, and they're the only people who aren't voting you off. Mm -hmm. They're laughing at your jokes. They, you know, they're just really pumping you up yeah. all the time. And, you know, on Survivor, you're removed from everything. You don't have access to friends or family or toilet paper or, <laughs> uh, you know, you are sleep deprived, you're food deprived, you are really out of your element. You've got TV cameras on you all the time. And it's very, you get into this sort of like very disoriented mental state where you forget that the rest of the world exists. And like, you only believe that like you live and die by the flame of your torch. Um, so within this sort of like altered emotional state, uh, you know, I think the producers have ways to like meld you and push you. Uh, that's not like, hey, go be in an alliance with Ozzy, but it's <laughs> yeah. you doubt yourself in certain ways. And it's very, very subtle, but um, I, I don't actually think there's too much of it going on, but I just think there's a little like, putting a finger on the scale every now and again. Yeah, sure, sure. that makes sense. But what like if... The Bachelor is a whole other situation. Oh yeah, oh. that's a whole other beast. <laughs> yeah. And I used to work on Love and Hip Hop, so did Adam for uh -huh. a little bit. So uh -huh. I understand like, they definitely have their persuasion ways. It's not necessarily like, hey, do this, but it's like, let's talk about it. Well, what would you do? I don't know. Right. Like, they, hype do them up, they gas them up, baby. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. you know, they, they make you take a 500 question, multiple choice psychological evaluation and meet with two therapists. They've got a big old psychological workup on oh, you. That's so what I was gonna yeah. ask, because I know Drag Race, yeah, the Rue Girls, when they get cast, they have to go through this entire psyche eval. They take a, a whole test and are like, are you comfortable enough being on television? X, Y, Z. So that was, well, I was gonna ask that too. But. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good to know. What is like something, what is the thing that you missed the most while you were on Survivor? And was that like the first thing you did when you were left the show? Um, well, I would say it's two things. And one is the obvious one, which is food. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> very, very hungry. And uh -huh. you talk about food all the time because like your body goes through several phases of starvation the mm. first one is what we mostly like experience day to day which mm. is like oh i'm hungry my stomach is rumbling like oh god i gotta eat i'm hangry but mm -hmm. then it was from there to like ketosis which is different from like the keto well it's the same but different mm, um yeah. where your body is no longer giving you these like ah eat signs mm. um but because it's eating its own like fat and muscle but your brain always thinking about food because yeah. that's trying to get you to eat now is like you're so it's it's really hard so yes you want to eat all the time but for me i'm extroverted but i am also introverted so the thing i wanted most when i got home was to be alone Ooh, i get that yeah. even though you were alone for 39 days <laughs> well you're with other people all the time yeah, yeah. yeah and all the camera crews and all that yeah stuff. you're so. never alone 
Like you are always have someone around you monitoring you, like being, you know, trying to vote you out, strategizing, lying, scheming, what have you. Those bitches. Yeah. (laughs) Shady bitches. What was your favorite game from from your Mm -hmm. episode? My favorite uh, game from the premiere episode? Yeah. Yeah. Or just uh, like from either season. Yeah, from your, yeah. Oh, my favorite challenge? Oh, well, there was this one challenge where, which was very like SNME, where we got oh. shackled, our feet were shackled together and our wrists were shackled to our yep. um, our waist. And we had to scooch through the sand like Oh, I remember that. I thought it was so gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, uh, yeah, I mean, it was terrible, but it was a lot of fun because I was on the, t- it was randomly drawn and I was on the team with like the least athletic people, but the people I liked the best. Um, so... Uh, we won and we got to like go on a helicopter ride and yeah. I'd never been on a helicopter before and I'd always wanted to like be on a survivor helicopter reward. <laughs> and then we got to eat pecan pie and then after that oh, yeah. uh, Brett came after me. Oh, that's oh. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I remember that. That was great. How do you think reality shows will move forward now with people being called out for racism and sexism and even homophobia? Yeah, well, I actually hope that moving forward, instances of like overt bigotry or even microaggressions, like identifiable microaggressions, can mm-hmm. be like the reasons why people are not allowed to continue on in the show. Like when reality television first started, it was this social experiment. We were just sort of like seeing what happened. But I think now as it's evolved if you look at competition shows like survivor or big brother which is you know where i'm most well versed you know you just see it year after year of these overt instances of racism and of homophobia mm-hmm. of unwelcome touching and there's been an unwillingness for the producers to interfere and like sometimes it will become part of the story and then other times yeah. they'll just leave it out and i i think neither one is right like you need to have it be part of the story to explain what's happening. But I think when someone makes these, you know, derogatory statements towards marginalized communities, the producer needs to step in and say, Hey, that's not okay. Like it shouldn't be on the burden of a person trying to win a million dollars to like have to like be starving, be eaten by bugs, living in the dirt (laughs) and also like dealing with like external racism, homophobia, and you know other microaggressions right do you feel like um everything that you experience and 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 how you're coming out happened do you think if living in this time now um that you do you think it would have been handled differently by the show um i think you know all these years moved on like i don't know that the guy would would out me um and i do think that you know, when he sort of like hinted in interviews that he was going to do it, that they would step in and be like, okay, wait, what's going on? Exactly. Yeah. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there would be more like, let's consult with Zeke. Let's figure out what's going on. Right. Right. And though, you know, I would like to think in that culture, that's how um, Survivor would have evolved. But, you know, Survivor, everybody at the top level is a straight, white, cisgender guy. Oh, the head of casting is uh, is a gay, white, cis guy. Um, but, you know, yeah. there was only one woman who was in the sort of like, uh, you know, highest level and mm-hmm. she no longer works for the show and everybody else is like a straight white dude who's just been 
doing Survivor out in jungles for, you know, yeah. the past 20 years. Right. And I don't know if they are the most super connected because there are not a lot of women on that crew. There are very, very few people of color other than like local people who are hired to be artisans and security guards. But there's just, you know, it's, it's, it's not the most uh, involved or um, understanding group of, of producers. Yeah, it's, and it's interesting that you say that because I used to work for Love and Hip Hop and, you know, that's a predominantly, you know, people of color, mainly Black but and, and uh, Latinos, Latinas. And all the producers, all the higher ups are like straight white people. I mean, Mona Scott is Black and uh, Stephanie Gale is Black women, but everybody else is usually like a straight white man. And it's like, I... I know you don't fully understand this culture. And right. that's why a lot of times it feels like exploitation, you know? It's right. And I just think there needs to be just like more protections in place. Like I think in casting, we took like 500 multiple choice questions through various like intelligence and psychological evaluation tests. Like you spend mm-hmm. like hours and hours taking psychological evaluations and being evaluated by different therapists. And I think there also needs to be implicit bias testing included yeah. in um, the screenings. And anyone who like has extreme bias <laughs> towards <laughs> women, towards people of color, towards LGBT people should be disqualified. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the same way if you have a medication that you can't take on the island, then that's disqualifying. Um, mm. I, I also think mm. like, you know, 40% of the people in this country are people of color and like that's definitely not reflected in the casting of most of these shows. And yep. I think that 40% should be a minimum, like 40% or more of casts on broad reality shows need to be people of color. That includes the bachelor. That includes the bachelorette. Includes they the just finally race. got there. They finally, finally got yeah. to having a black bachelor now after having a black bachelorette seasons ago. And, you know, I think I would be remiss in not saying, like, they have to blame the networks. Like, they do things, I feel like, on certain reality shows to, you know, for the promos. It's like, shocking thing happens next week. And it, it shouldn't be at the extent of someone's livelihood. And I understand people say, when you sign on to reality TV, you know what you're asking for. But you shouldn't come out of it so emotionally scarred where you feel like you've sacrificed your dignity. And I I think that that needs to change. And Mm -hmm. I also think that that's not true that you know what you're signing up for. Exactly. Um, You do in theory know what you're signing up for, but the people who have been producing those reality shows, they know so much more about it than you do. They know Mm -hmm. how you're going to like, how your emotions will be changed in this like very heightened circumstance. They have like a deep uh, psychological profile on you. And you don't, you don't have all the information when you sign up. You have a very uh, glossy idea of what happened. I mean, I think most people should know if you behave badly, that's going to be shown, but you don't quite understand how you're in a a weakened, malleable, um, you know, mindset and that the producers know how to use that to get you to do uh, things that will perpetuate the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Media. Mm. Media. <laughs> Good lord. Um, I, but also, your... I want to add: mm-hmm. if this is coming out um, this this week, so Friday of this week, which is June twenty sixth, 
Mm-hmm. Um, there is a panel being put together by uh, a bunch of Black Survivor players called Tribes and Tribulations. And um, oh. I know it's as far, I forget the exact time, but if you go to my Twitter, um, I've tweeted out the the link to you know find information about the meeting. And there's also a um, petition you can sign to call on the producers and creators and CBS, everyone involved with Survivor, um, to create a more BIPOC inclusive environment. Wow, so, I love that. Those are things that you want to do. The the Black Survivor community is like, is 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 getting out there and raising awareness and creating some change. I've been having a lot of conversations with, um, like, with with my um, my fr- my BIPOC friends um, mm-hmm. because I feel like there are a lot of like overlaps with like the experience of being a person of color and the experience of being trans and one of those that we were talking about the other day was like how exhausting it is to constantly be in a position where you feel like you need to educate people um and that people don't take that on themselves and Mm -hmm. i was like even a couple of weeks ago i was at uh, a friend's house we had an outdoor social distance hang to meet his new puppies Mm -hmm. Um, and his boyfriend was there and his boyfriend didn't know I was trans. And so when I made a comment about being trans, he was like, what? And then sort of like cornered me and proceeded to like, ask me a series of questions, all of which were like, you know, I'm a gay guy, but I think being trans is kind of weird. Why should I care about trans people? You know? And it was like, we're eating tacos, drinking beer and playing with dogs. I don't want to be trans right now. Right. Can I just be human? Yeah. Like, Google. Google it's is your friend. That, and it's like, we, I guess people feel like they have the right to treat people like as like a commodity or like a toy. It's like, ooh, something new I don't know about. Like, you're, not, you're not fragile. You're a very they're strong, you're, you're a very strong human being. And my interaction with you, you're very strong. You're not, first of all, we all exist on this LGBTQIA plus spectrum. There's no reason for, I, that That really upsets me that someone in our own community is like, well, let me, you're getting treated how they would be getting treated by someone who's straight, asking them, well, I've never, um, why don't you want to get with a girl? Like, why Like, why would, like, that's crazy to me. Yeah, I'm but, so sorry. Like, you have you tried sleeping with a girl? <laughs> yeah, right. oh, the worst question. The worst. See, oh my God. See, I keep, people will be like, well, you just haven't had the right one. If you have it, you'll be straight. And it's like, that's not how that works, but it's not how that works right. at all. <laughs> and like, also, you know, I have been, I have been queer my entire life and dealing with my entire life. You think I haven't thought of that? Right. Right. It's like, <laughs> I know right. all of that. It's like, ooh, that's what a novel idea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so piggybacking uh, off of that, Zeke, how important do you feel it is that the Black community and the queer community come together during this time? Um, I, I, I think it's, it's so important and if for no other reason that like the black community is part of the queer community. Um, our movement, the gay rights movement was started by people of color, like black and brown, poor people of color who were mm-hmm. being beat up by the police and marginalized from society and they'd fucking had it. And mm-hmm. I yep. see so many white queer people forgetting that fact. Um, And I think as, you know, long as the government feels like it can police our bodies and, um, you know, legislate our our rights depending upon the formation of our bodies, the color of our skin, who we fall in love with, then like, 
we're all in trouble. We are all second class citizens, if that can be true. And we all, mm-hmm. I think, have to, you know, we have to stand in solidarity together because, like, really, like, we're all, I'm, sorry, we're all yeah. in this together. I'm getting a we're little We're all in this together. No, I, I feel like it. it's like I can't imagine not supporting, like, my brothers and sisters. And then, like, I, how can I expect anyone to support me if I don't support you? You know exactly. what I'm saying? And it's like, I just don't know how people can like pick and choose. Isn't it a funny concept that we're all in the same agreement of supporting everyone, but there are people who struggle with supporting, you know, tra- the transgender cause or the LGBT or, or L- lesbian or gay or, you know, picking different letters out of, you know, a movement to support or supporting black lives. And it's, it's very interesting how we can all be on the same accord, but no one else can. Mm-hmm. That this just really shocks me. Yeah, you know, I think it's a a lack of education, a lack of experience, and just being kind. If you're one who wants to fight for your rights but not others, it's just very self centered, and it's just like it's counterproductive. Like that's not how we move forward. Like everybody has to help each other. We're all in this together, and you know, yeah. united yeah. we stand, divided we fall. Like that's just what it is and people yeah, just have and to I, on board with that mm-hmm. i think what we, we were talking about earlier is like you know if you're a gay person and you don't understand trans people like make the same leap of i know how straight people talk to me mm-hmm. i'm talking to a trans person in that exact same way or like yeah. if you are a gay person and you're like well you know i don't get you know why people need to march in the street like think about the straight people who talk about pride parades that way mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's all the same language it's all the same dialogue it's just the specifics are changed out and yeah. i think that that has to point us towards you know systemic inequalities and realize that like <laughs> We might think our causes are particular and different, but really they're not. We are all fighting for the same thing. That's very that. Very that. Yeah. Very that. yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, go ahead. No. Oh, all right. No, Z, I was going to ask you a question. Um, how has this whole pandemic and revolution inspired you and and what you've been doing and on your social media i know you spoke a little bit about how you um have uh, you know talking from the reality show standpoint and everything that you're doing that especially on the 26th uh speak to us a little bit more about how that's inspired you and what you've been doing in regards to that sure well i think there are there are two things um first before the pandemic i was always a bit more cautious about how i use my social media to like support causes that were important to me. And now like, I don't give a fuck. I'm saying exactly what I think. I'm retweeting Uh everybody that I want to retweet. I don't care if I lose followers. Like I, I, because my partner and I can't go out and protest though we would like to because we have um, uh, compromised immune systems. So like, we just can't Mm. take that risk. Um, So, you know, I feel like I'm trying to do everything that I can just from my computer and like, I don't care if it gets me in trouble. I don't care if the survivor producers don't like me anymore. I don't care if I lose followers. Like, I feel like it's important to to speak my truth. Um, and the other thing is that between getting, I think so immersed in what's happening in the real world, I often need to take a break. So it's nice to have creative fiction projects to just go and recede into. Um, yeah. So it's actually kind of been a nice catalyst for um for my writing as well to like just take a break from 
the world and go write something else which features you know queer people and people of color and you know Mm -hmm. creates a, a world where like we don't have to like be you know the token one but we all just get to be the heroes in our own adventures no. I love that. that's so beautiful that's what Darrell was saying today actually he was like i think i need to start a project and i need to do yeah. something and i was like that is the, absolutely take your mind away from this and focus it on this that way and you can still use your voice you know for the for the for the cause totally mm-hmm. yeah um and another thing we all need to do is watch disclosure yeah, on Netflix, Netflix. I was came just out on the 19th. That's yeah. been awesome. Yeah, congratulations. Thank yeah, you. Um, it's uh, it's very exciting. I mean, my the director, Sam Fetter, and um, superstar diva, goddess of the world, Laverne Cox, who's the executive producer, have been working on this for years. It's a really important um, piece of film. It talks about how trans people have been represented in television and film. Um, like since the beginning of moving images and how that shaped what the world thinks of trans people and also what trans people think of ourselves. And um, from the beginning of the project, it has always centered the experiences of black and brown trans people in particular trans women. And I think that is like, uh, you know, it it really shines through and um, I think everybody can learn something from it. And Watch it on Netflix so Netflix makes more things about trans people of color. No, that's Yay. amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I definitely just added it to the list. So there's that. You know, he literally like, just I was added like, to the list. I looked over and I was like, what you doing? Because I remember, <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm pretty sure this just dropped on Netflix. Let me make sure. And I was like, yeah, it did. He, he literally added to his list. I was sitting here watching. He, it's a check mark now. Good, good. It's, um, it's, it's two hours well spent. You might cry a little bit, but. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in need of a good That's cry good. right now, actually. Today <laughs> no, I'm crying all the time now. I'm just yeah. so sensitive. I'm just like, <laughs> it, whether it's sad or it's happy, I'm crying. And I'm a cancer. It's cancer season. You know, I cry at the drop of a hat anyway. So yeah. <laughs> I just need this to help me out. All right. <laughs> thank well, you. Zeke, thank you for joining us and uh, giving us your perspective on everything. We really appreciate you joining us. Yeah. Tell us everything. Thanks every for having th- me back. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Comment on this changing world. Right, because I feel like in the it was like the drop of a hat. We were we were fighting the everything changed. Life. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Like, we were like, just adjusting to the pandemic, and then it was like bloop. Also, there's revolution. It's like, well, yeah, it was. Right, it was like let's do this. <laughs> yeah, we um, I it like I think in LA at least the protests started on a Friday night, but they started kind of late, and I wasn't like they weren't making headlines. And then Saturday, like we live at sixth and Fairfax and there was a cop car burning at third and Fairfax. And we could hear like wow. the tear gas canisters being shot and there were sirens. I mean, it was, it was scary right there. Um, so it, that, re- uh, yeah, that reminds me, are you having an issue with like fireworks? Oh, what the what in the hell is going on? They're popping off right, right now. now. So I was like, yeah. let me ask. Oh, I'm this. sure it will be in a couple of hours. But yeah. I think it was like, uh, I think it was like Saturday, Friday or Saturday night. Both of them just mm-hmm. fireworks constantly in your all room. night. Yeah. And they're going so until like everywhere. five in the morning. At, it's been over I, here at Yonkers too. Last night, um, just fireworks everywhere, and I'm just like, oh my god! Like, is it K-pop fans? K-pop fans, right? I don't know <laughs> because they, they they recently have been saving our world. But what was yeah. interesting is I saw a video last night 
in Harlem where a lot of them have been happening and the police cars were driving through the streets and they weren't stopping. They were not, I just feel like the authorities aren't as alarmed as they would normally be because, you know, I grew up where they were like, if you pop fireworks outside of this time, you will get a ticket. Like in Texas, like they were like, yeah. you cannot pop it. Like, Allowed in yeah, city limits and stuff like that. So now I feel yeah. like that's changed. I retweeted a, a, a conspiracy theory, which I believe actually, but it's like the police are actually like orchestrating all of this. And it's like, they're wanting to keep like brown and black communities at un like, um, uh, what is it? Unrest? At unrest, yeah, like they can't, you know, focus, they're worried about this. Um, like we get used to the sounds of like, you know, popping so that way it's like, is that a gun? We don't know. I don't know, I retweeted it, but. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense to me. Like It's not the craziest thing that could happen. And it's yeah, like, yeah. a lot of people are out of work and fireworks are expensive. So it's like, what, who's buying these fireworks? And, no, How, like, and these teenagers can't afford these fireworks unless the, they're stealing. The big and that, one. That, like, this, like the fireworks that they're doing are like, <laughs> I saw one the other like day. It's like 4th of July. <laughs> yeah, but it was running down the to, street. In New York, you'd have to drive to Pennsylvania. Because you can't get them in Jersey, you can't get them in New York, but in Pennsylvania, they just sell them on the side of the road. Yeah, I mean, they so literally like, sell them on the side of the road. Where are y'all getting all these? Yeah. I don't get it. They only do sparklers in Harlem, and those right. aren't fire. <laughs> like, so I'm just like, what y'all doing? Like, it's really crazy. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, thank you again, Z, for joining us. Thank you guys for having <laughs> me. So I hope much. we can do it again soon. And Z, again, tell people where they can find you yeah. on social media. Oh, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zekerchief, which is Z-E-K-E-R-C-H-I-E-F. Yeah, Zekerchief. <laughs> and everybody, please check out Disclosure on Netflix. Yes. Yes, please, please do. Yes. And tell your friends about it. Yes. Will do. Spread the word. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Zeke, thank you so much. Stay safe out there. Thank you, Zeke. <laughs>